Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, welcome into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. I'm Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. This is the podcast. If you haven't had time to listen to all of our weekday shows, these are the best segments from each of our weekday shows right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. On today's show, you'll hear a segment with John Dixon and I from the editor's show. We'll start there with training camp headlines to know. Don't forget, earlier today, Chiefs quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney, and the rest, and rookies reported up to St. Joe, so the headlines to know going into training camp. At the 21-minute mark, Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner of Out of Structure talk about the top 30 Chiefs on this roster. And we finish up the podcast with Show and BK talking about the Chargers and whether or not we believe they are real competitors in the AFC West. But right now, as I said, we're going to start with the editor's show and top headlines. This is Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It is Tuesday, July 20th. This is our final episode where we don't have any real tangible news to talk about, John. So what are we going to do? We're going to make our own news. I talked to you about this show that I used to watch when I was just a young boy. You know Kyle Chandler of Friday Night Lights. His breakout role was on something called Early Edition. And this is what happened on the show. Kyle Chandler happened to get yesterday's newspaper a day ahead so he could tell the future and go stop crimes that were happening in his city, try to change the headlines. So we're going to do an early edition of our own. (laughs) We're going to talk about Chiefs headlines we would like to see by the end of training camp. We have both come up with five or six of our own. We have not told each other what the headlines are, so these are going to be natural reactions. John, you talked about it. You're a wise man. I'm going to go age before beauty here. You can go with your first headline. All right. Here's my first uh, Chiefs headline I'd like to see. Chiefs give Tyron Matthew three-year contract extension. We just talked about this. Right. You know, this needs to get done. And uh, it might happen here before uh, players report on Friday, before the quarterbacks and rookies report on Friday, even before uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, it could end up happening. Um, But I think it's going to happen uh, before the end of training camp. And I think it absolutely needs to happen. The Chiefs can't let this guy go into the last year of his contract um, on the existing deal. They need to get him locked up, give themselves a little more salary cap space this year and have him available for another two or three years after this coming season. I, I think it's – I can't believe they haven't done it yet, uh, but I think they will, and I hope they will. All right. I like that. By the way, I had listed here, Tyron Matthew signs contract extension <laughs> mid-practice, so an unprecedented <laughs> signing where Brett Veach comes out 
with the lawyers, middle of practice and says, all right, enough is enough. We've come to an agreement. Let's get this done right in front of the fans. He signs the contract on the fields to a raucous ovation because the fans would know it'd be very WWE. WWE is really into the contract signings yeah. right in front of the fans. And so yeah. I think that would be a, a nice storyline and really something that we've never seen in NFL history. So on the field at St. Joe, that's the eye. I like it. His representation is there. They say, look, Tyron, we've reviewed this. This is exactly what you want. And then, as he said and deleted this week, he's got the 10 figures in the bag locked up. All right, let's go to my first headline that not, doesn't have to do with this. New Chiefs offensive line are young guns of the NFL. The rookies play so well on the right side that they lock up the entire center to the right side of the line, meaning that Lucas Niang comes to camp and looks so good that he is your right tackle. Trey Smith comes to camp and looks so good, beats out LDT and Andrew Wiley, and both of these guys convince Andy Reid that they're going to be okay. Then you go to the other side. Who do you have? Orlando Brown Jr., age 25. Joe Tooney, the elder at 28 on this line, and they're saying, you know what? These guys are good enough and they're going to be one of the better offensive lines in the league. And guess what? Three of these players on the right side are locked into their rookie contracts for the next three years. Orlando Brown, you could get him on his franchise tag. So he's locked up for the next two. And then Joe Tooney already signed that long-term deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have a really good young offensive line. You don't have to worry really about paying them for what? Another two, three years. And you talk about run it back. Maybe this is something where you get back to the Super Bowl, you're able to do it, and you're in prime position with your OL and your protection to do it again. Run it back part two next year, John. Young guns of the of the NFL, the Chiefs offensive line. What do you think about that? I don't think that's super likely. As you know, I've been kind of saying all along, I think there's going to be one or two veterans on the right side of the line. Okay. Can we have some but, fun here? I mean, I yeah, know, I, I know, but I would, but I would love Rivers, to see that. Yeah. Mike, Mike look, do in yeah. my heart of hearts, right? Yeah. I believe Mike Remmers is probably your right tackle, but, yeah. but I know I agree. Andy Reid play rookies, especially along the offensive line before. And I think, I really think if I had, you know, a gun to my head, you want to say, Hey, Pete, this is it. This your life is on the line. Who's going to be your right guard? I would honestly say right now, Trey Smith, right? So right. I'm already thinking Humphrey and Smith are in. It's whether or not Niang can knock mm-hmm. off Remmers, less likely of the, the three, in my opinion. But how cool would it be if they Absolutely. play so well at camp and in the preseason, Andy Reid is like, we say the five best guys. We have no choice. I understand it's their first year, but this is our offensive line. I think that would be a really cool headline to predict and 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 dream about here at our head. Well, well, I agree. And I, I've been trying to be realistic about it as I've made my projections about the offensive line this offseason. Yeah, you did a and, nice series on that. Yeah, and, and I've tried to stay realistic about it and not go crazy about these rookies. But I agree it would be fabulous to have all these guys uh, show up well enough in camp that they could be the starters and we could have that kind of a young offensive line under contract for a long time. So much so Uh that one of my headlines was Chiefs trade Lauren Duvernay-Tardif, which would mean that they were so confident in these rookie players, they didn't feel they needed to have LDT around for the last year of his contract and they could trade him away to another team. So we always got to put the asterisk there though, too, John, that, that he would have to waive that no trade clause, which is possible. Yeah. If he would, he isn't going to start in Kansas city. Right. I I think in a, 
particular situation where he knows he is going to start at the right guard position, potentially, we think as a group here at AP, maybe he would want to waive that clause. I think he likes being a chief too, but yes, it changes mm-hmm. the game when you're a reserve player versus yeah the starting right guard. And and I just want to say, I don't really want that to happen. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. I love his attitude. I love his story. And I don't really, really want to see him go, but I would also, but I also really want the Chiefs to have a solid offensive line for a long time. And so these are competing things in my head about, okay, do I want this? Do I want that? And really you have to look at the long-term thing, which is to get these young players in there and, and on their, their rookie deals for a long time and playing extremely well. I mean, I'd love for LDT to stick around. I'd love it, but if we get the other thing, I could put up with him being traded away to another team because that would, would be what made sense for him. Simply playing devil's advocate here on that point, and then we could go to your next headline, John. I just wonder if Brett Veach is going to trade any depth. Does he have depth <laughs> PTSD in a sense where it's like, <laughs> That's I don't care. I don't care if you're a starter. You're staying here. <laughs> because we're not getting to the Super Bowl and having what happened happened again. Yeah, so. we're going to have 13 offensive linemen on the team this year. <laughs> 15, 15. The other, the other 10 offensive players are just the rest. Okay, let's go to your next headline, John. Uh, Chiefs release tight end Nick Kaiser. Oh, now, man. I got nothing against Nick Kaiser. Um, Nick. You know, he's obviously not a, a great a flashy tight end who's going to get up a lot of receiving yards. But if the Chiefs release him before the end of training camp, that says two things that Noah Gray has really impressed them in training camp. I'd love to see that. And it also says that they're very happy with what Blake Bell is doing. I would love to see a situation where the chiefs can go into this season with Kelsey, Blake Bell and Noah Gray doing very well. And that would be indicated by the chiefs releasing Nick Kaiser. Sorry. You no, know, we're having, we're having fun with this segment. That's an actual headline. We're going to see. I'm telling you yeah. that, that yeah. I, I, no. I Absolutely. think for sure that they're going to go with the three that you just mentioned in Kelsey, Bell, and Gray. There's just too many signs from around the NFL of people we know the Chiefs talk to, like the Schragers and the Riddicks that are high on Gray. And Gray right. is starting to get some of this low-key buzz. I think he's definitely your TE3 to start the year. And then who knows by the end of this thing mm-hmm. if he's getting that Demetrius Harris type of love getting past Bell as your tight end, too. I know that Bell is hes a better blocker than what Gray will be, at least to start. But who knows? I mean, as the season goes yeah. on, that could change. All right. I'm going to go with the Mahomes headline. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes comes up with yet another new arm angle. And this would have to be... I mean, we've seen... It almost feels like we've already seen 360. I mean, this would almost have to be a like behind the back, between the leg (laughs) type of situation. But what I will say, and there's a serious part to this, that's the beauty of going up to St. Joe at training camp Mm -hmm. because there are times when it it is an unwritten rule among reporters where you don't report trick plays. And sometimes you can only see and hear about these things if you're at training camp. So Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are working on a trick play where he snaps the ball, try to picture this in a shotgun position and he goes right arm under his left leg in some type of screen pass. That's never going to be reported on airheadpride.com. That's that is an unwritten thing. And okay. You want to say Pete? No, that's never going to happen. 
Really? We have seen him do a no look pass. We have seen him do a Derek Jeter yeah. flat out under his arm type of throw yeah. to the end mm-hmm. zone. So behind the back, we know he's been working on. So I, look, say what you want. And yeah, I'm having a little bit of fun with this, but you never know with Patrick Mahomes. Right. Get up to St. Joe if you can. Right. No, I, I think that would be a terrific headline to see. It'd be a terrific to see him uh, come up with something we haven't even thought of yet. I mean, that's what's crazy to me is that we wouldn't even have anticipated you know, some of the things that he's done that pass in the Super Bowl, which obviously wasn't a planned thing, but Mahomes works on that kind of thing. Right. What if I'm in this situation where I have to throw a pass with both of my feet off the ground, uh, you know, laid out sideways? And it was a great pass. He so, beat the Denver Broncos that yeah. first season with his left hand. Yeah. yeah. How could you rule out anything? Yeah, you really can't. Yeah, I like that one, Pete. I like that one a lot. All right, you're up. Uh, defensive end Tim Ward credited mm. with three sacks during first team reps. Now, obviously, there's not going to be sacks right during these training pack yellow uh, jerseys. Scrimmages. That's why they wear the yellow jerseys, right? But there's going to be, but we'll see Tim Ward go in there and get credited with three sacks during first team reps at training camp. What that would mean is that the Chiefs are very happy with him and he's getting first team reps and he's doing very well when he's in with the first team. And this would be why the chiefs didn't make a big move in free agency for a defensive end is because they're very high on Tim Ward. They've invested a lot in him at this point. And I think it would be fantastic to see an indication before the end of training camp that their optimism has been justified. Yeah. Going back to 2019, when we were still allowed to practice, Tim Ward was there in a cap and he was coming off an injury out of college and they kept him around and watched him get the mental reps for a year Mm -hmm. involved last year. So now he has a year in the system under his belt. It's been hard on the guys that really weren't able to get reps because they weren't able to get an off season last year. So they have a year under his belt. It should be a full off season this year. So this is the now or never time for Tim Ward. Grand opportunity. We don't know what's going to be happening with Frank Clark. Melvin Ingram is not in the building. It feels like it's anyone's job opposite what could be Clark, what could be end up being Chris Jones, depending on how the situation shakes out. So I like that one in in Tim Ward. And I just don't think the Chiefs would have kept him around this long if they didn't see that ceiling for him. And so let's see if he can pay that off when they need it now more than ever. Yeah. Speaking of the defensive side, I'll stick with that. Willie Gay giving off serious Derek Johnson vibes, right? Oh, yeah. Chiefs have been missing that really athletic linebacker mm-hmm. maybe since Derek Johnson has been, what was he, an Oakland Raider, and then he ended up retiring. I don't think that they have had that when they drafted Willie Gay. I think they had that in mind. We had Derek Johnson here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, and Johnson saw a little bit of himself in Gay. Mm-hmm. Same points about Ward. I don't have to repeat them with not having you know that rookie offseason. He has had that. He's 100% healthy off of that meniscus injury. And Damian Wilson is no longer here. And the Chiefs really need him to perform because if he doesn't, right, it's going to be another situation where Ben Neiman is going to be getting a lot of reps. I think ideally they want Anthony Hitchens and Willie Gay to be the guys this season. I think Ben Neiman is on this team. I think you hope that's in more of a special teams role because if Gay is on the field, you're going to be a better defense. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. I'd love to see that headline. And I think it's quite a possibility. I think there's a good chance we'll see something very much like that. All right, John, do you have any more for us? I have one more after this. I have one more, too. Okay, here we go. You go first. Yeah. 
Okay, this is non-Chiefs. We're getting back to a non-Chiefs story as we did at the Uh-oh. beginning of the show. NFL fines Buccaneers $1 million for wow. failing to report Tom Brady's MCL injury last season. Mm, yes. I'm sorry. This pisses me off. <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, I'm, the rules are the damn rules, you know, and it it infuriates me that the Buccaneers haven't already been fined for this now that this story has come out that Brady had essentially a serious injury that wasn't on anybody's on their injury report all of last season when it should have been. The rules are very clear on this. You don't get out of it just because the guy took all the practice reps. Even if you get all the practice reps, you're required for these injuries to be disclosed. Now, let's not even get into why these rules exist. The fact is that these rules do exist. Yeah. And Tom Brady should have to live by him just like everybody else. I think it's bad enough that fans think that Brady gets the benefit of calls during games. I think you're just making that that narrative easier for fans to believe if you let him get away with this kind of crap. I'm just infuriated by it, and I'd like to see the NFL do the right thing and really make the Buccaneers an example. And uh, and I'd also like to point out that maybe this means it isn't really that Bill Belichick is a cheater, that maybe it's Tom Brady that's the damn cheater. So I'd just like to get that out there. I think you make a good point. I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen, and maybe I've just missed them because I do not check Boston headlines every day. But has the article been written if Tom Brady was still a Patriot, the Patriots would have already been fined $5 million. Like, how, how has that not been written in Boston where they're upset about this? I mean, I, I feel like they always feel like they're the ultimate victim with Bill Belichick and the New England system. But you make a good point. The fact that we didn't have any idea that he had what was a torn MCL throughout mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and really the entire season. That's what was wild about this. This was a big secret because yeah. Adam Schefter didn't know. Ian Rappaport didn't know. The other newsbreakers didn't know. As a matter of fact, Ian Rappaport earlier in the day when we found that out last week only said that he had the torn MCL in the Super Bowl. Then it came out later on. Mm-hmm. And no, no, he had the torn MCL throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly like what the specific rules are. Is there a loophole where... If he just came to training camp like that, they only have to report new injuries. I don't, for what it's worth to your point, I don't think that is the rule. And so the fact that it was not there is an incredible thing and take away the wrong part of it, right? Amazing that he was able to play the way he did. Certainly. Get the Bucs to the freaking playoffs and then run through all these teams and, and win the Super Bowl. But yeah, Major surgery this offseason for Tom Brady, and we knew nothing about it until months and months and months later. All right, my final headline. My, I'll go back to the Chiefs with mine. And I have an alternate here. It could be Cornell Powell or Byron Pringle, but either one. Cornell Powell picks up right where Sammy Watkins left off. Mm. And I want to reiterate, I continue to think that McCole Hardman is not an exact fit for the Sammy Watkins X type of position. I think they ideally want a bigger receiver there. We know what Demarcus Robinson is. No offense to the fourth rounder. I think the Chiefs have gotten the absolute most out of Demarcus Robinson. Talk about ceilings. I think the ceiling is super high for Cornell Powell. And when it comes to Byron Pringle, we don't even really know what his ceiling is. All we know when it comes to Byron Pringle is that when he's on the field, when he gets a target, when he has the ball in his hands, 
He's been successful. It's been a Mm -hmm. plus for the Chiefs. Can he take that next step now that he's, we think, going to be getting the opportunities with Sammy Watkins out of the picture during training camp? Sammy Watkins usually was healthy during training camp, so he was taking a lot of the reps. He is a Baltimore Raven. He is completely gone now. So now it is finally going to be that true wide-open competition. Can Byron Pringle or I think a dark horse and a Cornell pal, or if you want to go darker horse and Antonio Callaway, take advantage and make a case. Okay. I'm going to be that fourth target for you. Again, the targets go Kelsey and Hill, something Clyde Edwards, a Then this position for me, who is going to be getting those targets when it comes to your fourth option on this offense, even darker horse, uh, uh, Jody Fortson or yeah. Joe Fortson, whatever you want to call him. He's Talk about Tim else. Ward. Fortson is yeah. another guy. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. It's gotta be this year. Well, I'd love to see that. Obviously, we'd all love to see that because we saw uh, what having that kind of a threat in Sammy Watkins available did for the Chiefs' offense. That it was it was more effective when you had that additional threat on the field. So I think that that's something that everybody would like to see. The question is going to be who's it going to be, and I think you're exactly right that Pringle is a guy who could uh, has the physical traits to to fill that role that Watkins had and he's shown that he's capable of making plays when he's given the opportunities and Powell of course uh, you know was fantastic um in the end of last uh, season in the end of the 2020 season our our new writer Jared Sapp wrote about that a uh, very good fan post about it uh, a couple of months ago one of the things that caught our eye about that that young fella so um you know the question is who's it going to be and they've got a lot of guys in camp uh, Callaway's certainly one of the guys that might step up and do that but as long as it's somebody i think that's going to be a great headline for the chiefs Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back here at the Outer Structure Podcast. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Please give a five-star review or rating wherever you can, wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you're following us on arrowheadpride.com. Great article out on arrowheadpride.com from actually last week, but we're going to bring it back because Stags posted it after our last week's podcast, Market Movers. It's a, it's a, it's a series that Stags does where he, he trends, he, he marks the trends of Chiefs players, how well they're doing, you know, ones that are rising, ones that are, you know, not rising, you know, falling a little bit uh, like the stock market. And so we got a few we want to go over. Stags, I'll let you take it from here. What players we kind of want to highlight from your article? You got a few to choose from that have interesting, uh, you know, uh, details to them. But 
who do you want to start off with? Yeah, this is a fun exercise I've been doing for the last couple of years, and it's really tracking not only the rankings of the roster top to bottom, but really trying to be forward looking and seeing who's trending coming into the, the whatever's next, right? So during the season, who's trending coming into the upcoming game, maybe who's got a good matchup or who has shown some progress and demanded a bigger role and, and who's going the other direction. And for the off season, it's a little bit more guesswork, right? But we're, these are maybe some of the players we're excited about for this season. We just talked about uh, one of them in Clyde Edwards Hilaire that I'm pretty bullish on, but let's talk a little bit about uh, Willie Gay Jr. You know, I, I said in the article, I think this is the, the year that it comes together for Willie Gay because he's got the talent. He's going to have the opportunity now with the uh, departure of Damien Wilson. So he's got the talent, he's got the opportunity, and it sure seems like he's preparing uh, to have a big year. When those three things come together, good things happen for players. So I'm really bullish on Willie Gay Jr. this year and excited to see him in camp. Yeah, and that's a guy that I know you said preseason is a lot of guesswork or offseason is a lot of guesswork. But the, the guys that have been at practices this offseason are saying good things about him. And so that's all we can go off of. You know, someone like Nate Taylor really was really is saying Willie Gay has looked good. So if we can go off of that, then he's he's definitely a bull, right? I mean, and, and he has that opportunity naturally as a second round pick from last year. He's got to step up. So I think I think that's a good one. And I sure hope he steps up. That, that's that's a guy that will really change the defense if he's a good player this year. You know, somebody that I'm a little bit bearish on, and I've talked a little bit about him this offseason, is Armani Watts. I think that's a crowded room at safety. They've got some pretty substantial players ahead of him with the healthy one, Thornhill, with Dan Sorensen and Tyron Matthew. That is a good room. It's pretty hard for him to see the field on defense. He's been a special teams player, but they added another player in Will Parks who can do basically what Watts can do. Uh, and, and arguably, he's had more success in the NFL on defense. So I, I'm bearish on Watts, not only for his ability to see the field on defense, but maybe even his ability to make the roster. Yeah, Watts led the lead, or led the team, I should say, in special teams snaps last season. That's his calling card because he has not seen a lot of defense since his rookie year. It was kind of funny. His rookie year, he had a few defensive highlights where you're like, oh, do we have something here? And then he really hasn't seen the field since. And I do think it's also important to note that the Chiefs brought in Will Parks and Kamali Correa at the same time during the offseason. And we've seen him move on from one of those guys. Obviously, Correa is not on the team anymore. But Parks is still hung around and all the way till training camp. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Watts was actually not participating in practices in, in OTAs, if I remember correctly, at least for a certain amount of time. So I think all those signs point to Watts being a good candidate to, to maybe be a guy that doesn't make the 53. Yeah, there's some sleepers on this list as well, um, but definitely I think this exercise of ranking the Chiefs players top to bottom, if you have spare time like uh, apparently we do, you might want to sit and, and see what you think and how you would rank the players top to bottom on this roster. And, and you can do it in a number of different ways. The way I was thinking about it was as contributions to the team and what their future contributions would be, not so much even the, the past contributions. Um, but as we compared notes, Ron did a good series on ranking his top 30 Chiefs and counting them down on the site. And we noticed some the same and some that were different. So out of the top 30, Ron and I ranked seven players exactly the same. 
which means there are 23 players we have differences. So let's go through some of those now. Uh, <laughs> real quick, we can start with the ones that we have the same, that, that are pretty easy and pretty obvious. The list for everyone should start off with Patrick Mahomes. He's in his own category. He's he's obviously the, the best player on the team. We both went Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but, but Kelsey at number two and Hill, Hill at number three. I think some people might debate the order of those three, but it's pretty hard to argue with those are the guys that should lead off uh, anybody's rankings of this team, right? Yes. I need to make the argument for sure. Cause I, there were people that disputed, you know, maybe Tyron or Chris Jones need to sneak into that top three over a Tyreek. I think people kind of understand Travis is, is this team, you know, the second most important player on the team, although team is driven by offense. And I know the defense is solid now fans out there. I doubt any of you get that reference, but Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are how, are how this team goes. And so they are the three most important players. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a legitimate debate for any other guy being to penetrate those three. This team is going to succeed if those three guys are on the field. And if those, if one of those three guys are missing, it's a whole lot, a heck of worse than if it was Tyron or Chris Jones missing, in my opinion. Yeah. You, those are definitely the top players on this team, arguably not even arguably, I don't think the best trio of offensive players in the league right now. And you can make a case for them being among the top trios of players historically. I don't know that there's any three players that I would rather see um, on offense, maybe ever. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, maybe, I guess. But I mean, I'd have I'd rather have Tyreek Kill. And I know and we all know. I mean, I think we've all accepted that Travis is a better. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if people have accepted that. I I just have a little hate towards Tony because of his, he loves those Falcons, but uh, that's another subject for another day. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking Kelsey over, over Gonzalez and not because of that, but mostly because of his ability after the catch uh, and his route yeah. running. And, and so I, I think he's a more dynamic player. I think Gonzalez was very consistent, um, but I think Kelsey's more dynamic. So with the dynamic trio at the top, uh, we've got Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones, we, we have, have them in different orders, but they're at four and five, and I think it's a, it's a coin flip there. We both have Orlando Brown uh, sixth, so big acquisition from the offseason, both literally and in the rankings here. Orlando Brown jumps and debuts in the top six. Other players we have the same ranking on, we've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at number nine, uh, Jaron Reed debuting at number 11. And Taco Charlton down at 21. So with that said, uh, Ron, who's somebody that you've got ranked much higher than I have? And tell me why I'm wrong. So I think it is pretty egregious. I will say I'll use the word. I'll use that big word because you have Anthony Hitchens at 18. And he is below defensive players like Willie Gay, Derek Nottie, Tershawn Wharton. Man, I, I get that Hitchens hasn't been fantastic he's not living up maybe to this big contract that they gave him in 2018 but he has definitely improved in 2020 he was a he was an above average starting linebacker and he was a big reason why the defense was always in good positions his pre-snap stuff is really important I, I do think that's that's something that you know can go a little to the wayside a little bit when you're talking about Hitchens because I know when you see him on the field there's some tackling stuff that you know I wish he would kind of maybe hit someone a little harder, you know, not get dragged back after he hits them sometimes. But the pre-snap stuff is super important. Spags has talked about how important Hitchens is to this defense, lining everyone up and just being a, a, a another coach on the field, being the green dot of the defense. I have him at number 10. 
You have him at number 18. Even if top 10 is a little high for him, because I do think I, I could see that argument. I just can't I can't see him being that low on the list. I think that's my my first big issue with your list. So I don't hate Anthony Hitchens. I think he did have a very good season last year. When I do the rankings again, my goal is to be a little forward looking. And so going into this season, going into this camp, I, I see Willie Gay Jr. again as a player on the rise. I see Turk Wharton as a player on the rise. I think Anthony Hitchens is somebody that they really just drafted his replacement. And maybe it won't be for another year or two, but it's pretty hard to argue that he's his importance to the team is growing uh, over where it has been in the past. And so he's still in the top 20. He's still an important player. He's still a starter at this point, but I just see him trending downward where some of the younger players are trending upward. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I, I want you to go ahead and give me a dispute. Who, who do you have on your list that is just a lot higher and you're a lot higher on than me? Well, sticking with the defense, uh, I've got Frank Clark at number eight. You have Clark at 13. I know he's a controversial figure with this team in the community right now. And there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding Clark. But this is part of why I think this is such a big story is because he's very important to this defense. And he's been a very underrated player in his Chiefs career. While so many fans are counting down to the point where the Chiefs could, could cut him or get out of the contract, we've had a ton of Twitter questions asking, can the Chiefs void his guarantees? Can they get out of this deal? Sure, they probably could. I'm not convinced that they would want to. I think this guy has been very important to the defense. He is very stout against the run. He, he's got a motor that doesn't stop. Yes, there are times where he disappears from a production standpoint, but we also don't know his assignments on some of those plays. There's a lot of containing that he does, things that maybe we go under the radar with Frank Clark. I think he's gotten to be very underrated at this point in his Chiefs career and underappreciated. He's fought through illness and injury and been a very clutch and very key performer for this team. And they need him this year. They need that production from him this year. They need his presence on the field. I think he's an extremely important player to this team and one that would be very difficult to replace if they lose him for any period of time, much less cut him. See, I would, I would definitely say that I'm not the typical Chiefs fan, Frank Clark, because there are some guys up there, like you mentioned, that uh, do not want him on the team anymore. And, and I would definitely disagree with that. I think he's important to the team. But I do think his inconsistencies play a part in me ranking him lower than guys like Juan Thornhill, Jaron Reed, Anthony Hitchens. I just, I just think those guys will make a more consistent impact on the defense from down to down every single play. I think Frank Clark is a good run defender on the edge. But I also think we got to uh, factor in Chris Jones playing on the edge more. I think that almost helps Clark have to not be as important, I guess, if that's a good way to put it. I think Chris Jones playing run defense on the edge uh, is, is a good thing and is, is something that Clark will not have to be relied upon as much because Clark is the best run defender out of the edge positions if you take Chris Jones out of it. I'm not saying Chris Jones is automatically going to be better at him or, or anything, but they now have two guys in, in base formations where, where they're good at run defense instead of, you know, you have to rely on Clark to be the good run defender and the other edge is Taco Charlton or a second-year Mike Dana, which I think is good at run defense, but – Anyway, I think it's the inconsistencies that play a part in me not not or having him pretty low and just, you know, the 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 like you said, he kind of, you know, he kind of goes away sometimes the 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 injuries or not the injury stuff, the illness stuff is a little weird. I don't want to factor that in too much, 
but it does just all kind of come into this inconsistency part of him. But it's, 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 the, that's the thing though, in the playoffs, he's, he's been great. He's gotten sacks when it matters the most. So it's he, when he is playing well and when he is playing to a, to at a good level, it's really good. And it's really impactful. It's just, is he going to give me that all 16, 17 games throughout the Super Bowl run like Thornhill Reed and Hitchens will, I think that's why I have Clark a little lower. Um, but I don't want to be the guy that, that, that uh, hates on Clark either. Cause I, I do, I do recognize how important he is, but I guess yeah. just not as much as you do. If you want to see Clark gone, be careful what you wish for, because right. the grass may not be greener uh, with whoever comes in to replace him or whatever they have behind Frank Clark. Another player that you appear to be way lower on than I am, you know, sort of in the same conversation, I think is uh, Tershawn or Turk Wharton. I've got him at 14. You've got Turk at 22. Again, I think this is an ascending player that showed some incredible play for, especially given his you know pedigree, if you will, last year. I think he's going to have a role this year. And I think with Jones going outside, they're going to have more opportunities to rotate him in, in situations where he can win uh, and just be a disruptive, dangerous player. So maybe I'm a little too high on Warden, but again, I'm projecting forward a player that should be continuing to get better after just a remarkable rookie season. So my thing with Warden, I think you 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 almost touched on the opposite point that I'm about to make and the fact that now that Jones is on the outside more, he'll have more opportunity. But if 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 what happens, what we've kind of talked about with Jones moving back to the interior on pass rushing downs, I would actually argue that that hurts his chances at getting on the field because now that Jaron Reed's in the picture, a guy that can play all three downs, I think their ideal interior pass rush on third downs is Reed and Jones next to each other. Last year, it was Wharton and Jones next to each other. So last year, we saw Wharton actually become a guy that is, if you're talking like, I know not a starter, but a third down, he is the top interior guy besides Jones on third downs. Now he's not. Now he's actually the third guy in that situation, which, hey, if he's a rotational guy, that's awesome for the defense. That helps the defense because Wharton is a very talented dude. And, and him being your third interior pass rusher is, is going to cause some troubles for the, for the offense because he's going to have fresh legs and the offensive linemen are going to already be dealing with Reed and Jones. And all of a sudden they get a Wharton guy that comes in, you know, that's fresh and has high energy, but it's just one of those things where he's, he's not going to be one of the top 11 on the defense and he's not going to have starter snaps. And so that's why I, I just naturally have to push him down because the guys ahead of him are technically all starters and he's just not. So that's my main thing. It's nothing against Wharton. It's just mo- ma- mainly about his playing time, how much he's going to play this year. He just can't have that big of an impact, in my opinion, uh, as, as someone that can rank as high as you had him. I'll give you that one. Who else are you higher on than I am? Daniel Sorensen, my guy. I've been trying to cut him every training camp for the last three years for some reason, yet here I am having him as a top 15 player on the team going into training camp. I have at number 15 above guys like even like Traverius Ward, Derek Noddy, Willie Gay, Creed Humphrey, Taco Charlton. You have him at 29, all the way down uh, close to the end, actually just behind Lucas Niang, Rashad Fenton, Byron Pringle. I Man, I, I just – Sorensen has a bigger impact on this team than that, in my opinion. He's the social the, – the special teams that impact is one thing. But he played the second most snaps on the defense last year, even as that third safety. I know Thornhill was kind of coming back. So actually Thornhill was kind of the third safety last year. 
but man, he, he's, he was one of the most consistent defenders on the team last year. His ability as a, as a linebacker in the dime defense is, is really helpful for the team because he can, even though he has some limitations, him being able to play box safety and deep safety, you know, both at the same time is, is valuable for sure. I, I just, I, I can't see him being that low. I, I understand maybe being a little too high on Sorensen myself, but 29, man, I, I, he's a lot more important to the defense than that. Yeah, I, I could see that. Maybe I am a little bit lower uh, on Sorensen. Again, I go back to being more forward-looking. I think Sorensen's towards the twilight of his uh, Chiefs career. I'm not saying he's done by any means, but he's an older player and one that um, you know probably isn't ascending at this point in his career. And I, some of the guys I've got ahead of him may be aspirational in nature. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that they'll see some improvement and some bigger roles on the team as opposed to what they have contributed. But there's no denying what Sorensen has brought to this team, especially in some really, really key moments over the last couple of years. Again, I, I was watching those highlights of that Houston game when he had the, the tackle on the, the fake punt that just, that just absolutely turned the tide in that game and then turned around and was part of a, uh, a fumble forced fumble on the, on the ensuing kickoff. I think not, not too long after that. So uh, Sorensen has been a huge part of this championship run. I'm just not sure how big of a role or how big of an impact he's going to have in the future. Uh, I guess some of that is to be determined in camp. Yeah. I think your list, I think you've done a good job with your list. Like you're saying, the future looking thing, you know, it, it is like a stock market, you know, these players are stocks and, and you're looking at them like that. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, I, I think mine was more individualized this season. So maybe that's where we have a little, you know, some of our differences, but I'll go with my last one. And then if you have another one, you can hit me with it. But I think Joe Tooney, you have him at 12 here. I have him at seven, actually. I think that gives him more value. I think that makes him a more valuable player. Just that that reliance, that that consistency of having he he's he's never missed a game. He's played all 16 every season. That having that kind of guy on the left alongside Brown, kind of, and I know that's combining another player's value with Tooney's. I just think that that is such an important part of the offense this year. We saw it last year. A lot of times the homes just did not want to step up into that pocket. He wanted to scramble out or back up. I think having Tooney in there, especially with Brown next to him, it'll give him confidence to step up, especially to the left. And I think that'll help the offense a lot. Yeah, I'm definitely high on Tooney. I think you're right. The consistency, the veteran presence, the invisibility of Joe Tooney is probably one of the reasons that many of us might rank him low but he might be actually more valuable because going forward this season, you're not going to have to worry about left guard. You're not going to notice left guard. Um, you might notice other positions on the offensive line for, for better or for worse. But, you know, the idea of Joe Tooney is that anchor, that guy that you can depend on. Uh, I'll buy that. If you look at my list, the players that I've got ranked in between uh, Joe Tooney from, from where you are. So I've got Juan Thornhill up there. Uh, I've got Jaron Reed above him, Frank Clark. You know, these, these are players that are going to be impact players, uh, if all goes well, um, that are going to be making the, the plays that are, that are game changers, right? So for that reason alone, I've got them ranked a little bit higher. Uh, but again, I can see the argument for consistency and, and invisibility being a, a pro for Tooney. Just because I, I did want to... I don't want to just give Snead, you know, I, I do think Snead needs to prove it a little more. And I think Tooney has proven it. And so 
that was the only thing I, I would, or I would definitely agree that the positional value is more important. I think having a good cornerback like Snead is way more important than having a good guard. But I, I did want to give Tooney that little bit of the, the, you know, uh, edge just because he is a veteran, a guy that's proven that he's the best in the league. If we're looking at this list at the end of this season, Snead is one of those guys that could crack the top five. Like he, he is a player that is absolutely on the rise and critically important to this team and he can do a number of things that can really impact a game so I'm pretty high on Snead and I think I think maybe by the end of the season he's going to move up the charts even more from where he is I'm the same way with Juan Thornhill again as he gets back to form and plays up to his ability those guys are really the future of this secondary um, uh, along with Tyron Matthew who sh- should be signing his deal I think we jinxed it last time by saying he could, he could be signing any minute um, I, I think that's coming real soon. And so, you know, I, I think there's some of those players, the young players that maybe get a little bit more weight on my rankings as, as a, as a forward looking deal. I also noticed there's a few players on my list that aren't even on your list. And, and which means that there's probably some on yours that are not on mine as far as the top 30. So I had fullback Michael Burton in at 23, plugging in the Anthony Sherman role, what he meant to this team. Uh, and as a starter, you know, he's just outside the top 22 uh, when, you, when you consider a starter position. I've got Tim Ward uh, up there at, at number 24. Uh, again, maybe this is a projection and maybe this is too optimistic, but I think he's somebody that could surprise people this year in his role, at least being the Tano Passanio role this season. Assuming he makes the roster and gets that, uh, you know, gets some snaps, I think he might he might surprise some folks. So those are a couple of players that are, on my list that, not, that aren't even on yours. Yeah, I, I think one guy that, and I get why he's not on your list if you're thinking for future looking, uh, Ben Neiman cracked my top 30 at number 29. Just does have a role on this team to an extent. Um, you know, I, Michael Burton might be a little more important, I guess, than Ben Neiman, uh, you know, when you consider special teams too. But I, it was just hard for me to put a new fullback on the team, even though – I think it is important to note that if it was Anthony Sherman, he probably would be in my list, probably, you know, probably close to where you have Michael Burton. But I think just the disconnect, like not have not seeing Sherman's name there anymore. It's just like, oh, he's just a throwaway player, which yeah, is think, not true. So, you know, I've got him sort of in tears on this spreadsheet. And for those of you who are, you know, readers of airheadpride.com, you can go to the Market Movers article at the bottom. There's a link to my spreadsheet so you can uh, you can see my work. But I've got him sort of in tiers, right? So I've got Patrick Mahomes is in his own tier, his own category at the top of this list. Then I've got those players that could be considered among the NFL elite or some of the best at their position in the league, uh, which are the next five on our list uh, from Orlando Brown on up. Then you've got the starters that would be starters on any NFL team. And then you get into the role players and the depth uh, positions. And that's where it sort of gets jumbled, right? So you could rank the role players and the depth players on this team, a number of different ways. And yeah, Ben Neiman has been one of those key role players in the past. I guess maybe I'm hoping he's not a key role player in the future. Maybe that's why I ranked him uh, outside of the top 30. Uh, but I also have sort of a special teams category. So obviously we none of us have the kicker or, or punter on this list, which are both very valuable, important starting players on this team. So I, I have special teams sort of down in, the, in their own category below the, the key role players on offense and defense. Uh, but otherwise, you might see a kicker and a punter higher up on this list. So, so yeah, when you get into those, 
15 to 30 range. It's a lot of depth. It's a lot of projection. Uh, and you can rank them a number of different ways. And I'm sure everybody out there might have a slightly different list if they did the whole exercise themselves as well. Yeah, I will say, I think it might have been a mistake to not have Butker in the top 30. I know he kind of struggled last year, but kick and he has been very reliable on the long kicks. And that's super, I mean, that is super valuable to be able to kick 50-yard field goals, um, you know, not being in a good field position as an offense and still being able to get three points. And so Butker probably should have made the top 30. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. This now feels like one of those situations where everybody thinks... Something's going to happen. Everybody's so high on the Chargers, and and I'm telling you, they're not even going to make the playoffs. I am feeling so great about that, even more hearing that guy. They're not going to make the playoffs. People are overshooting the Chargers, and I'm sure BK's over there smiling and loving. Oh, yeah, people are agreeing with me. People are loving me with the Chargers. This Chargers thing is ridiculous. It's pathetic. At least he did have the the audacity and the truth serum to say, well, the Chiefs still run the division. At, at, at least he said that. But this Chargers thing is becoming the most annoying thing for me in sports right now. I, I, that, is, that is where I am. I think the majority of Chiefs fans are with you for what it's worth. This has been the case. I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans, anytime well, they you. hear – that's true anytime they hear the annual chargers love fest that we hear every year they're like okay yeah cool sweet awesome go ahead and win the division at some point in the last decade and then maybe we can talk and i get it i really do i fall for it all the time they're perennially one of the most talented teams and one of the biggest underachieving teams in the nfl there are some tangible changes this time around though they have a new coach that is significant i really like their new coach Their quarterback last year had one of the best rookie seasons we've literally ever seen from a rookie quarterback in the history of the league. And oh, by the way, his first start last year, he took the Chiefs to overtime. The last game of the season, game that I know Patrick Mahomes didn't play. The Chargers did win that game. Um, the Chargers are coming. They are there going are a few to other get... people who didn't play in that game as well, BK. Are you kidding me right now? You son okay. of a gun. You're going <laughs> to cite reaching. that last game as the, as the Chargers game. You knew when that rolled out your mouth, right when you said it, that that didn't mean anything. You see Serta's ass is silent here. He's not backing you up on that last game. You've got to be kidding me. I you mean... are drinking so much of the Chargers juice that you went to the last ball game of the season when there was no Pat, no Kelsey. I don't even think Derek Derek Thomas. They didn't even they didn't even put yeah, his Derek Thomas up. definitely didn't play. Well, I know he didn't play, but they didn't even they didn't even put his name on the Ring of Honor that day. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The last game of the season? Oh, the wow. Chargers! The wow. Chargers did play. The Chargers did 
play really well in that game, though, if we're being honest. And, and again, that was uh, Michael Peterson. He is the lead editor of Bolts from the Blue, our sister website for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, great job well, by him. He just yeah, needed to stay his chest him. a little Shove more. It, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I've made it. When I'm stronger on your team than you are, it's not It's not great. I, I appreciate him doing that. By the way, you can check out uh, the interview series that Pete Sweeney is doing on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. You should check that out weekly. He's doing fantastic work on there. It's all coming up on the same channel that you're probably listening to this on right now. The Chargers are a good football team uh, show. They, they are, and they're going to be a good football team next year. ESPN put out their future rankings earlier this week, and they had the Chargers at number 11. That's absurd. They had the Patriots above them in the AFC. That is insane. The Colts were above them as well. The Colts are the team for me that you feel about with the Chief or the Chargers, where they're completely overhyped every single year because people like their coach, and I do too. Their roster is just not all that great. So the Chargers are going to be good. They're going to battle for second place in the division. They're going to make the playoffs next year. Prepare yourself for that and then prepare for a lot of really fun games between these two teams in the future. Mike, that got away from me. Don't shove it. I, that, I'm sorry. That got away from me. Just a taste, Mike. Um, I would actually like to do lunch with you, Mike, if you ever. If they do really good free. work at our sister website. Whatever. But I'd like to do lunch. I, shove it got away from me. I you just can follow him on Twitter is, at Zone Tracks. You can do that. And I apologize. Maybe we could do lunch or something, Mike. I'm I'm serious. Like, this is how confident I am, and I am so over the Charger thing, especially when I have to do this with you two every week about these Chargers, talking about the Colts. The Colts at least make the playoffs. Don't get me into the Chargers overhyped. Every, at least the Colts made the playoffs with old-ass Phillip last year. Here, here, here it is. This is where I am. I am willing. Yeah, Anthony Lynn is their coach, and you wanted them to make the playoffs? Like, I'm not, no, I'm not no, judging no, the man listen, for that. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying where you're talking. You, t- you just said the Colts are the most overhyped team every year. Well, at least they make the playoffs. All right, the Chargers don't. Let's see what happens with boy wonder Brandon Staley, who's never been a coach before in his one year as a defensive coordinator, as we're already ready to, to wrap him up as, all right, he's got it. He's the next Andy. Here's my deal. I'm so confident that the these jokers Andy. won't make the playoffs. They won't make it. They won't make the playoffs. I don't care if there's a seventh playoff spot in the AFC. I'm telling you what right now. Oh, God. What are you doing, Ron? I'm going to put my balls where it counts. That's probably, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Does <laughs> what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Is that Maybe a good thing it. or a bad thing better? for us? <laughs> it's a, It's going to be a good thing for me because it doesn't matter. I'm willing to make a bet, a one-way bet. I don't even need anything coming back the other way. You're damn right. That's how confident show is. I I will take whatever episode it is of of show and BK on the Chiefs if they continue to have us. Whatever episode it is, after the Chargers either make the playoffs or eliminate it, I will refer to you as King BK and my daddy Serta. That's how I refer to the both of you and the entire episode. Every time I say something, I will address it as start as, okay, King BK <laughs> and Daddy Show. Or, I mean, Daddy Serta. <laughs> I will do it every time. Daddy Serta, you're my daddy. King BK. I will do it. Uh, One way bet. I don't, I don't even know if I like That's that. That's how confident I am that the punk-ass Chargers are. Now, see, I'm even, now I'm being mean to them. That the Chargers won't make the playoffs. 
This is stupid. Do you want to be called daddy by him, Serta? Like, is this something that you're actually looking forward to? Because it seems to me like this is something that you're not really into. I mean, King BK is much better than him just calling me daddy for an entire podcast. I feel like that's just going to be uncomfortable for me and uncomfortable for our listeners. It's uncomfortable for me, okay? You know I don't want to call you daddy. I don't think it's that uncomfortable for you. It really is. To call another man daddy? You don't think that's uncomfortable? Daddy Serta, every time I speak, I have to address you as Daddy Serta. Yeah, that's uncomfortable, but it ain't going to happen. Although I've just said it eight times, but it ain't going to happen because the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. This is ridiculous. Good God, man. Justin Herbert, God, apparently. Uh, the, the, the next quarterback that's top five in the league, apparently, to you two. I'll just, I'll just sit back with the cigar and just bask in my glory when you're happens. calling him daddy and me king it's gonna be great it's not it will not happen so we, we, we're over this and i mike you could get into the bet too to be honest with you uh i'll call him emperor mike if it, if, if that happens i can't like, wait to happen. i can't wait to win this bet that I, is just gonna make me uncomfortable and that i don't care about it all whatever it's not gonna happen all right so i i feel Great about it. I'm going to tell you what did happen this week. What happened is Brett Veach and Andy Reid put themselves in the tour, the newest tour for the Chiefs, and that tour is called Y'all Better Be Right. The Y'all Better Be Right Tour because we watched Melvin Ingram, who we've talked about, maybe the top defensive end on the market or outside linebacker pass rusher on the market, go to the Pittsburgh Steelers on a one-year deal for $4 million. $4 million. A person that I've said, hey, go and get as at least an insurance policy. You know Frank Clark's going to get suspended. You just can't drive around with Uzis, all right, after you'd already gotten in trouble before three months ago. You just can't get back-to-back felony gun charges without losing games. You're going to lose games from Frank Clark. And instead, they signed close to home somebody that they're familiar with, Alex Okafor, on a one-year deal. I don't know the numbers on that deal yet. I don't think that's been released yet. Yeah, they haven't yet. It's a one-year deal. All I'm saying is, Brett and Andy, now you have a lot of the time, so you can get the benefit of the doubt. You have a lot of the time been right. This one, you better be right because you haven't. If you weren't, it feels like you're working on the cheap. It feels like you're trying to, to do something about somebody you know more. And I I don't know about you two, but I look at it. If you give me Melvin Ingram or Alex Okafor in terms of what I need rushing the passer, I'm going Melvin Ingram every time. And as I said, this is the you better be right tour, and Brett and Andy better be right on this one. I think that's fair in some regards, but – I mean, if you look at what Melvin Ingram did, and a lot of this is due to injury, for sure. No, he didn't do nothing last year. You're right. He wasn't good last year, you know? And even the year before, he had seven sacks, 11 TFL, and 12 quarterback hits. If you look at what Alex Okafor did the year before, he had five sacks. He had, uh, I believe it's 15, t- 15? No, five, excuse me, five TFLs and nine quarterback hits. The numbers are are somewhat similar between the two over the last couple of years. And if Okafor is going to come in, as I would expect, at a sig- significantly lower number, I bet you he's pretty close to the league minimum. 
I've got no issues with this, man. I, I really don't. Um, really? The other thing is because I don't know how much time we're going to see Alex Okafor in there. Like, I think part of this was probably Melvin Ingram asking for more playing time. And I don't think the Chiefs could promise that. If you're looking at what they have right now on the outside, I think you're going to see a decent amount of Chris Jones on first and second down lining up at defensive end, as we've talked about a lot. Frank Clark, I, I'm not there with you quite the same way you are about him getting suspended this year. I think it's coming. I think this might play out kind of like the, remember the Dwayne Bow situation where it took a year for the court proceedings to take place before he was actually suspended officially by the league? I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that with Frank Clark this year as well. So regardless, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, I think are going to be your early down defensive ends. You're going to see a little bit of um, Mike Dana out there on early downs as well. Taco Charlton is going to be mixing in uh, on third downs. I think, I hope later on in the season, Joshua Kando is going to be mixing in on third downs as well. That leaves a very limited role for Alex Okafor. And I think the same would probably have been true for Melvin Ingram. And so I think this was as much about Melvin Ingram deciding he wanted more playing time and that's what he was going to prioritize as it was anything else. I just don't think, I mean, what are we doing though? I mean, I, I think the Chiefs are in a situation where we all agree they're Super Bowl or bust. That, that's where they are, right? Like, we're talking $4 million damn dollars. I, I, I don't know what the difference is going to be. We're talking $4 million the Steelers got for him. To me, I look at it. I, I hear what you're saying. Last year, Melvin Ingram, due to injuries, I believe, played seven, eight games and didn't do much. He didn't mm-hmm. record a sack, just as you stated, I think five tackles for loss. But clearly, when he's healthy, he's been a – seven, eight, double-digit sack guy in his, in his in his career. And to me, when you give him the, the point of, hey, rush the passer, we want to get that situation, especially with what Steve Spagnola likes to do with guys up front and how that's always been his, his way of doing things, is getting pressure. Listen, this is Super Bowl or bust. Two, three million dollars. I don't give a rip. If he if he's getting signed for nine hundred, what is the the minimum now? Five hundred thousand something. I don't give a rip. Four million dollars. You're eight million under the cap right now. Don't fool around with this and go make the best deal. Like I, that's me. Now they could be right on this. Like I said, they better be right on this. But that to me seems cheap, and it seems like all right. We know a guy. We trust a guy for this system better, and that just I I just don't I don't like that. Go get. That, especially when it comes to that case. Like, we've talked about it before. Like, maybe you can't go get Xavier Howard. Like, I've talked about That's just out. Maybe that's out of it. But $4 million? Four? For Alex Okafor? I've seen the ceiling of Alex Okafor, man. And he's been injured, too. Sure. He's not getting to the passer. Man, Alex Okafor is a – he's one of them covered sack guys. Oh, I'm going to work. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to bull rush my ass to death. And then, bam, maybe I might get you. Melvin Ingram can go beat guys, you know, not consistently like he did before, but he can go beat guys. I just $4 million. That one sent me to the edge when I saw that. I'm like, well, hold on. So I'm with you in general. Like if this was the Chiefs not matching the offer, yeah, I would have preferred to have in a vacuum Melvin Ingram over Alex Okafor. I agree. But I'm going to put you in Melvin Ingram's spot for a second. If the Chiefs are offering you $4 million and the Steelers are offering you $4 million, and in one place you're being told, hey, we can't guarantee you a starting spot, and you might end up playing, as we saw last year from Alex Okafor, 
like 30% of the snaps. That might be what you end up getting, depending on what our other guys show us this year, especially with Chris Jones at defensive end. Or you're hearing from the Steelers, yo, we lost Bud Dupree this offseason, and we looked around, and we realized, hey, it's late July, and all we got is T.J. Watt at defensive end. You're going to be playing 70% of the snaps. You good with that? Where are you going? You know, it's the same money either place. Both of them are going to be good teams, although varying degrees of good. The Chiefs championship contenders, Steelers should be solid. I think you're going to probably at this end of your career with Melvin Ingram, you maybe got one more chance to get a decent contract after this season. If you come back and play well and are healthy, you're going to the Steelers. So I think this is one of those situations where it was less about what the Chiefs were willing to offer. And this is just speculation and more about what the player wanted. And my guess is the player decided, hey, it makes more sense for me to go start in Pittsburgh than it does for me to go be potentially a timeshare piece in Kansas City. And if I'm Melvin Ingram, one, shoot, boy, I, 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 I want to play I want to play the Chargers twice a year. <laughs> I, I, like, I want to get back at them twice a year. And, like, if that, if that scenario was painted and the Chiefs are saying – like how many snaps are you thinking the Chiefs probably would say? What you said, thirty to forty percent, forty percent of the snaps. Well, I th- to me, that's a mistake by the Chiefs. Like I, like even then, if. But you're also somebody that doesn't like the idea of putting Chris Jones on the outside. Oh, and, so I think this is kind of hinted, tinted no, by that. Right? I don't, but I, but but even with that, I still look still from what we've had conversations about. Doesn't mean that Chris Jones was just going to be even if he's just going to primarily be out there. Like you were thinking, still in run, like it in pass rushing downs, mm-hmm. you thought he would still get kicked in and they put their best guys out, which that could be more than forty percent of the snaps to me. Like I feel like Melvin Ingram's looking at at this. Like Melvin's no fool. I think Melvin. I think he wants to put together to get paid too. But I think he also knows if I'm on a big stage and I'm playing for a team that's got a chance that also helps me. Um, and I get to play this old team who thinks I'm done, you know, you know, multiple times a year that helps me. But if the chiefs are putting themselves in a position where Melvin Ingram, Hey man, you, we get you 30, 40% of the snaps. Well, you didn't really want Melvin Ingram. Oh. And, and, and that's problematic to me too, because you start rolling out names like Mike Dana and, and things and, and Taco Charlton. Those are still nervous, nervous guys for me for a championship team that's going to roll with that potentially could have Frank Clark out for games. Yeah, but the Chiefs under Spags have traditionally rotated a lot of guys in and out throughout a game. Like there's not very many defenders on that side of the ball for them under him who are legitimately playing like 95 to 100% of the snaps outside of like Tyron yeah. Matthew and, and Chris Jones in some circumstances. Like they rotate a lot of those guys in and out of the games. And with Ingram, I don't necessarily look at it like it's a money thing. Like I don't think the Chiefs were necessarily trying to be cheap and like, you know, offering him $2 million when the Chiefs offered him $4 million. And they were like, okay, well, we'll just take Alex Okafor for 1.5 or whatever the deal winds up being. I legitimately think that it's just Spags is really interested in bringing in the guy that already knows his system. He's he he really likes 
the athletic profile of Alex Okafor when Alex Okafor has been on the field. They like what they got out of him. He's just struggled to stay on the field, and they think if he can stay healthy, oh, we can get a lot more out of him than we've gotten out of him so far just because he's had some injury issues. So I, I think that has a lot more to do with it than the dollar amount because, yeah, $4 million, it's like if that was all it was, all right, all right, Melvin, we'll, we'll give you five. Come, come play for us and help us win a ring. I mean, and BK, if that's the point, as I said to start this, this is the you better be right tour. And you better be right into thinking that we know him, he fits our system, and that's the better move. Because to me, it's who is the guy. Like, I think Melvin Ingram could fit the system and fit what he wants to do. And you better be right. Maybe, I, listen, I could be dead wrong. I got no problems admitting. Alex Okafor could be better at 30 years old right now than Ingram at 32 and, and, and be, read, be ready to go. And maybe Ingram's no show, no sacks, five tackle for loss last year is where he is right now. And Alex Okafor is a better player than him right now. It's just hard for me to convince, convince me right now that that's the case. And like I said, they better be right about if it's a system fit. I think that's all fair. What you're saying is fair. I, I think it's more comparable probably between the two players than, than what where you're at with these guys. And I also think a lot of this shows, I think the Chiefs have a lot of faith that Chris Jones is going to work at defensive end. I, I think that's part of this is them believing. It has to be. Sure. It, it's them believing that what they have in Chris Jones is going to work there. And I think part of this also suggests they're confident Frank Clark's not going to miss significant time this year. Because if they weren't, I think you might even be looking at signing both guys going into the year. You know, it might be a situation where you don't feel confident enough that you have the depth that you're going to need at that position going into the season. And it also could be a situation where they're saying, you know what, we're looking at a pass rusher because that's really what you're talking about. Right. Right. Show is you're, you're saying, OK, where are you getting the pass rush from defensive ends? Yeah. Maybe they believe Josh Kando is going to be that guy by the end of the year. The, the rookie that they took this year in the fourth round from Florida State. He is not ready right now. He is a project for them. If they think, though, that he can be good by week 13, 14, 15, which is typically when Spags likes his rookies to be able to kind of start developing on the field for them in the games, well, then that could play into this as well. So I think it's a, I think it's a culmination of a number of different things. And when you add all of that up, it was probably something where they said to themselves, we're fine with either guy. If Ingram decides to take our $4 million offer, $3 million offer, whatever it was, we're good with that. If he doesn't, well, we know we've got a backup plan and we feel comfortable that Okafor can come in and play 30 to 40% of the snaps and we'll be good with that as well because we've seen what that looks like. Just gotta be, just, just better be right on it. That, that, that's all I'm, I'm saying. If, if that was the thing that cost you, you better be right. It's just where this, as I say this, this is Super Bowl or bust team. And if we're gonna sit here with, you know what, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to take a chance on our fourth round pick that he's going to be a guy that can get pressured. I'm gonna take a chance that Mike Dana makes it a next step. You could do that. You could take a chance, but when you're in Super Bowl or bust, like three, four, five million dollars is right there on someone that feels more for sure, or you have a history on it. And that feels more than just taking a chance. When you're Super Bowl or bust, that that move feels like the way that I would go. And I'm sure I'll be wrong. But I mean, that's that's that, that, I mean, I just looked at it and I'm like, damn, four million dollars. 
one year, four million dollars. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I know Mike Tomlin can t- do a lot of talking, but if you'd have said, "Hey, man, we'll, we'll take you one for six. See, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 